an opportunity came up at Cricket World Cup 2015. I got the interview, did the interview, it went okay. Got a call back a week later, come around for a second round. I was like, oh my God. I thought, right, so I actually had to go to Ballarat that day for, uh, for work. So I thought, right, I'll go to Ballarat, I can get the train back by three, and I'll be enough time to get this interview by five. Train at two, great. Train is cancelled. Oh, no. Right, okay. Next train's at three. All right, so it gets me back around 4.30. Okay, it's not ideal, but I'll make it work. That train is now delayed. So we're, we're getting there. We're creeping into Southern Cross. Phone dies. Somehow I've scrambled down from Southern Cross. I'm like, this dream is about to die. Get to the interview. I'm a hot mess. And they said, oh, where were you? I was about 25 minutes late. I was on the train. They're like, look, it happens. It's okay. And um, yeah, just take a breath. Eventually the GM comes in, John Kent. We sort of had a quick chat about it all. Driving home, get the phone call. Hey, Sunil, you're great. We want to have you on board. And I was like, what? <laughs> G'day, guys. Coming up on the show today is Sunil Menon. Sunil is the head of community at Melbourne City Football Club. He is one of the all-round great guys in the industry with a great set of experience, including multiple Cricket World Cups in 2015 and the T20 World Cup here in 2020, Charlton Football Club in the UK, and then the AFL back here in Australia. Heaps to look out for in this app with what it's like to work within the city football group, what skills you need to work in the community department, and where to start if you're looking for a job in this space. Let's go. I started volunteering. It's all about who you know in sport. Am I going to be calling the last 10 seconds of the grand final? You can connect with the interviewer. The hand goes up when they've got to make a decision. Having a network is one of the most important things you can do. I didn't necessarily follow my passion. I followed my curiosity. Once you've worked in sport, there's no going back. And then lo and behold, before I left, I got offered two. Hello and welcome to the Sportscape podcast. Ruben is dancing in front of me after that intro. How brilliant is that? Welcome. This is the ultimate guide to make it in the sports industry. I'm joined by Ruben Williams. My name is Ryan Walker. He's the big community guy and we are two mates who met at Cricket Australia back in the day. Each week we learn how people made it in sports and we tease out some of their career decisions, their work habits, their skills and everything they do that makes them great. Also, you can learn how to get in, get promoted, and get thriving in the sports industry. Roops, how are you? Almost made me crack up then. 239 episodes, and you finally doubled up on an adjective. Yeah, big community guy. I had to do it. I had to do it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Appropriate. I'm, I don't know. I don't know if I'm disappointed in you or if I. <laughs> it's appropriate with, with Sunil coming in. But, it needed um, to happen. Head of community. It's, it's, look, it's probably happened once before. We just didn't even realize. Yeah, I reckon it has. Our thesauruses aren't that big, so. <laughs> if there's any mention of community in the title or anything, I have to say big community Big community guy. guy. Yeah, you are a massive <laughs> community guy. We love community. Yeah. Uh, what's been happening? Brisbane was great. Brisbane was fantastic. How good, how good are the Broncos and where, and yeah. the Panthers? Wow, what a, what a team. What an experience. So uh, one, one of the great... Uh, privileges we have of doing this podcast is that we have to record at the same time every week to make sure we get out the next week so we just have to forecast some events that happen between that time sometimes so yeah uh we're going to brisbane tomorrow and me the day after from this recording but uh we're predicting it's going to be amazing yeah if it's not and it doesn't go ahead well Oh, well. I'm not editing this (laughs) we're not changing it yeah so yeah i'm sure brisbane was incredible Suncorp Stadium, great stadium. Thank you to everyone who came as well. Great yeah. to see you Met as well. Met some great people. Yep. New faces, some old faces. Yeah. 
That's fantastic. Mm. Uh, we've got a big app today, so let's get cracking. If you haven't already, follow us on LinkedIn. You can connect with us and hundreds of others working in sport. Just become a sports grad member straight away. Ruse, what's been happening in our community at the moment? Oh, gosh, so much, so much. It's been popping off the last few weeks. Mm. The, the wins channel is just going nuts, and I've, I've got a few for you here. I'll start with Alyssa Cullinan who received an awesome position doing grassroots football game activations with Channel 9. Nice. Then we got Anant Veer Singanya, who has just got a role as the accreditation coordinator at the FIFA Women's World Cup. Then sticking with the FIFA Women's World Cup, we've had about two dozen people get roles with the FIFA Women's World Cup in the last few weeks. I was going to say that the channel is just, all I see is FIFA Women's World Cup jobs. Yeah. it's, It's incredible. That's it. Uh, Jordan Dana and Sid Moham have both also joined the volunteering team for the FIFA Women's World Cup. So went on to you guys. The the tournament's just going to be full of members. Yeah. Anyone who goes to a game, you look around, there'll be a sports grand member there yeah. working in some sort of role. But um, that is amazing. Went on to you guys. A um, couple other things coming up. We have regular speed networking nights. So if you want to meet new members very quickly without having to send sort of any sort of awkward, cold outreach, just come mm. to a speed networking night and you can meet a whole bunch of people very very quickly yeah uh the other thing we have coming up as well are job fairs so this is a chance we can chat directly with the recruiters and they can tell you how to get hired at their organization and one of the great job fairs that we had last week uh was with the fifa women's world cup Mm. hence everybody is getting hired yeah when you can chat directly to the hr manager they remember your name and you get jobs it's, there's a direct correlation. Yeah. So. The, uh, and it was very similar to the job fair that we ran with the T20 World Cup last year. Yeah. That had a massive turnout as well. And then we saw pretty much half the community working on the T20 World Cup. And now the same thing's happening with the FIFA World Cup. Yep. So they are they are one of the greater virtual events to, to get along with, long yeah, to, absolutely. where you can just pick the brain of the person choosing employees for a tournament yeah i think it's good because you know you get a job description everyone's read a job description you Mm. can see that online but when you can actually chat to someone and ask them about the ins and outs you you can get you can unearth more information about what the job is really like day to day Mm. so we absolutely love them that's where you're going to get all that key info and you can also put a face to a name and you can actually introduce yourself so Get along to them. That's it. Yeah. Uh, last thing, if you want to be even more well-informed about what you can do in the sports industry and how you can get to any job you've got in mind, make sure you subscribe to the Sports Grad newsletter for more interviews, blogs, uh, career paths, and then as well a whole bunch of tips on networking and job hunting. There's over 3,500 people who subscribe and enjoy it every single week. So if you want to jump on that, head to sportsgrad.com.au forward slash newsletter and that will be in the inbox next week. Fantastic. Well, guys, enjoy this chat with Sunil Menon. There's a reason Deakin Sports Management course attracts the greatest talent the nation has to offer. Because when you join the longest-running sports management course in Australia, you'll gain access to unique opportunities with leading clubs and organisations. Their partnerships with the Geelong Footy Club, Deakin Melbourne Boomers and Nepal Victoria and multiple elite industry partners will open the door to exciting placement experiences that connect you with the best athletes, managers and administrators in sport. Help shape the future of the sports industry secure your part in the golden decade of sport. Sunil, great to have you on the podcast, mate. Welcome. 
Thanks, boys. Good to see you again. Long way from jo- not really a long way from Jolly Moth, <laughs> but you know, good to see you again after a few years. I know. Good to finally have you back in here. And um, from all reports, you're now one of the most popular staff members at Melbourne City. I keep bumping into staff members out in Richmond, and I mentioned my friend Sunil, and they're like, "Oh, we love Sunil." So I'm sure this will get a few listens at HQ. Uh, yeah. Look, all three people who love me at Melbourne <laughs> City um, will, um, I'm sure, be t- tuning into this podcast. But um, yeah, I don't think uh, a club that has soccerers like McLaren and Leckie, uh, I don't think I'm too popular. I think I'm quite a way down the list there. <laughs> well, what's it like at HQ at the moment? Because the club has just won their third Premier's plate in a moment. You've got this big redevelopment coming in, Casey. Things like they look like they're pretty, going pretty good. Yeah, look, on field, you know, terrific. Um, third, third Premiership in a row uh, in the middle of finals by Sydney FC, home and away in the next two weeks. Um, yeah, a huge uh, development coming there at Casey Fields. We've got three community pitches that go along with that and then uh, elite pitches for our men's and women's team as well. Um, and that facility will hopefully be launched sort of around October time. Um, but, you know, it's exciting. Uh, the southeast is really a, a heartland of, of football or the round game, a round ball football. And, um, you know, we, we're so lucky to be a part of that. And um, there's so many people that sort of access those fields every day just to come and have a kick and, um, and and be a part of it. And, you know, we're looking to grow with that community and um, and, and see where that can take us. Oh, that's awesome. It, it, from an outsider's point of view, this looks like City is just doing it better than a, most at the moment, like on the field and off the field. Like, yeah, that must yeah. be pretty cool. Yeah, look, it's, great, it's a great time to be a part of it. Um, you know, I've got some sort of young staff members and it's their first job in sport and they just collect plates, every, premier's plates every year and go to grand finals. I'm like, guys, this is not sort of how it goes, you know. Uh, when I worked at Charlton uh, in London, I started there. We were fourth in the championship and I thought, texting my mates back home, you know, I'm going to be in the Premier League next year. It's going to be yeah. amazing. And then we got relegated. Yeah. Um, not, not fun. And uh, my mates call me the, rele- the relegator now. Not <laughs> 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 that I have anything to do with on-field success. But well, <laughs> wait till there's that second league in the A-League and the curse won't come back to you, but I highly <laughs> doubt that given that you're at, uh, you're at Melbourne City. Um, we start every episode with some quick-fire questions for you so our listeners can get to know you a little bit better. So I'll fire off the first one, and that is uh, what was your first ever job? So... My first ever job, my sisters are going to love this. Um, I stacked shelves at Big W. I lasted a week. Nice. I was just just not cut out for it. Um, it did, was, did you leave on your own accord? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, there was some doubt there. <laughs> yeah. It was, I reckon, another two days. It wouldn't have been on my own accord. <laughs> Fair enough. We might take that offline. Uh, what did you study at university? So I did a Bachelor of Business, uh, Sport and Leisure Management at, uh, at La Trobe. And um, I'm uh, currently actually studying an MBA, the world's slowest MBA. Nice. <laughs> I might break the record, um, but it's, it's going well. And that's at Deakin University, which shout out Deakin University. Uh, the, the sponsors will love that. Absolutely. Great friends, great friends of the show. Uh, favourite sporting moment? Uh, gee, there's a, there's a few. I try to say the ones you were actually at because that kind of, I think, adds to it. So um, uh, Liverpool, Melbourne victory at the MCG. Uh, 95,000 people singing You'll Never Walk Alone as a Liverpool supporter. Pretty, pretty cool. Mm. Um, amazing. First experience for me as a Liverpool supporter, seeing it live. Then fortunate enough to be at Anfield for a Merseyside derby uh, 4-0 against Everton, which is always great. Yeah. And um, being in and around the city in the build-up to that game at pubs and stuff before that, like that's that's unbelievable. That's just mm. on another level of, of sort of sporting dreams, I think. Um, and then um, hard to go past India-Pakistan, T20 World Cup, Virat Kohli. Um, incredible was there yeah. with, with my dad and my brother-in-laws. And um, 
yeah, <laughs> they wanted to leave. I didn't want to leave, though. <laughs> um, and it was, yeah, it was amazing. And also 2015, Adelaide as well, India, Pakistan, um, yeah. at Adelaide again. First time being in that environment of, of seeing those two massive countries play against each other and the colour, the movement, the noise, and obviously an India win, which is always good. Yeah, amazing. Uh, and do you have a favourite interview question that you like to ask of candidates? Um, yeah, I kind of... <laughs> I kind of do, all, I guess, all the serious stuff, get all that out of the way quickly. Um, and I'd like to know a little bit about the person. So I always ask, her, what's your favourite holiday that you've been on? And it just shows, nice. me, shows me a little bit about, you know, do you like to relax at the beach? Are you an adventurer? Is it Europe or America, Asia? If they say I like Cooter and Bali, I'm fearful. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. I like Bintang <laughs> in the pool. Nothing wrong with Bintangs. <laughs> totally fine. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Um, what's one book or podcast that's helped you at work? Um, so I'm a big Diary of a CEO fan, Stephen Bartlett. Yeah. Um, huge, like religious on that one. Um, just find, yeah, the insights you get from people who've built massive businesses and failed yeah. um, or, um, you know, have, have had projects that haven't worked and how they've come, overcome them. Um, so that, that's been really good. And then, yeah, a whole gamut of people from business and sport and music, which I liked the whole sort of range around that. Um, great episode if you haven't listened to is Scott Galloway is a professor talks about sort of um, I guess the change in young people and masculinity and all those sort of things and, and has a really interesting take on that um, and then um, I love all the sport ones so um, big cricket fan great cricketer um, I think those kind of insights into sport like the funny stuff is always great and it's always stuff that you guys probably know a bit about from your time at CA but the, the average sort of punter I think doesn't really know about that stuff so it's great mm. to hear, hear those sort of stories Peter Crouch podcast as well, big fan of that. And, um, yeah, so just mainly football and cricket ones. Amazing. Well, we had Ian Higgins come on the show back into episode 213 and Sam Perry, the other half of the great cricketers, coming in soon. So I'm glad you brought that one up. They're a, a great podcast. We're preparing our vocal call chords for the laughter. Yes. Because uh, that the first one with uh, Ian Higgins was the funniest episode in the history <laughs> of, of my short podcasting career. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, are you associated with any grassroots clubs? So I was uh, associated with a club called Victorian Sikh Association where we played soccer, um, and that was kind of in my sort of early uni years. Um, very loosely associated with the club now, still checking the, the scores and see how the guys are going. Um, but what it did do for me is at that time, like, those, are, those guys are my brothers still. Like, we're still mates. Um, we don't hang out as much now because everyone's got kids and families and life and all that sort of stuff. Mm. But in those sort of you know early 20s years, um, they were the best nights. Used to go out on a Friday, play on a Saturday, recover on a Sunday, <laughs> and then do it again. And then somehow squeeze uni into it and yeah, yeah. that sort of thing. So, but great memories and uh, great times. And um, like I said, they're, they're, we were all still really, really close mates, which is, um, which is a great bond to have. Nice, love it. And last one, if you had 30 minutes to pick someone's brain, who would that be? So, I've got a fun one and a serious one. Oh, it's a couple of couple of fun ones. So Sachin, just because if yeah. you're my generation and Indian background, then it's just got to be Sachin. Otherwise, you get a fine or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the other one would probably be Nelson Mandela, just from a uh, purely you know resilience point of view, and yeah, just what he went through is incredible and incredible book as well. Um, and then a fun one, probably Snoop Dogg. Oh yeah, <laughs> nice. Just, just you know, just fun yeah i love that just just to see you know just see what's up i love how most people who come on here like pretty serious for their people like yes you know like you said nelson mandela's of the world the suchens but snoop dogg is a bit out there and i Mm. like that what would you ask snoop dogg um who shot tupac (laughs) 
<laughs> Get the real answer. Yeah, that's a good question. Mm, great question. Amazing. Well, we might dive into the wonderful world of community and the work that you're doing at Melbourne City now. For those who aren't aware of you know, what a community department does, sometimes it's called the game development department. What, what is the goal of this department within a sporting club? Sure. So sitting in the community is the uh, charitable arm of the Melbourne City Football Club. So our, our goal is to uplift physical and mental health of young people through football. So we look at um, football as a vehicle, but then how do we sort of use football to engage um, and then how does that lead into things like talking about education, employment, well-being, gender equity, those sort of topics. Um, so our goal is really around social impact. So how can we use football for social impact? So in a, I guess in a sporting sense, when you work at you know, some of the big SSAs and that sort of thing, it's about the numbers, yeah? Like you get them to get into schools and you want school to club conversion and you want you know, numbers, numbers, numbers of people playing your game. For us, it's more about not so much the numbers, but more so around um, what impact are we having at those programs. So... Uh, how are we talking to young people and then using that as an opportunity to talk about other um, other factors. So uh, it's really important and um, I think in the, in the region that we're in, in the southeast of Melbourne, uh, you know, football, round ball football um, is the number one sport in that region and, um, you know, they keep building AFL ovals and we keep pushing soccer goals onto them because um, such is the demand in, in that part of Melbourne. So um, we've got a, a really unique opportunity um, to work with a lot, of, a lot of large migrant groups as well um, and a lot of people who love the game but can't afford to play at a club level. So our programs almost act um, as a club on, on a weekly basis for a lot of people. So um, it's um, it's great. It's a great thing to be a part of, and um, you know you, you just see so much um, so much passion for the sport, which is which is terrific. Mm. And, and how you get so close with all the players because I believe they come out with you to all these different programs. They do. The players we, we're so lucky to have you know um, soccerers and, and Matildas in in our midst and. Um, and they're, they're great when they come out um, and, and, you know, uh, interact with, with young people and um, you know, share a bit of advice or share a few stories, um, take a few selfies, all that sort of stuff. And um, it's an amazing thing to see, you know, a program that you sort of worked on for a little while and, and, and you've built a relationship with students and teachers or at schools or whatever. Uh, and then you, you sort of swan in with a, a Matt Leckie or a McLaren and <laughs> people sort of eyes sort of drop out of their head, which is pretty cool. Um, and it's it's a once in a lifetime thing thing for a lot of those um, a lot of those students and a lot of those teachers in schools. So it's cool to be able to do those things as well. Yeah, I, I like how like community for you guys is like that charitable arm, and a little bit different to what you know the goal of say an NSO would be, which is like mass participation. Whereas like working community at a football club like like Melbourne City is more about like physical and mental health. Like it's a more targeted approach like has that has that been really i guess rewarding for your career to be involved in that specific area yeah absolutely i think um you know there is pressure around numbers and you need to be out there and doing that but i think um we're seeing we've only really been in the southeast probably a good year and a bit now given you know covid and lockdowns we moved in august 2021 um so we've had a good year and a bit to really get into it and um i think what we're also doing is you know when you look at schools i mean schools are it's a tough environment at the moment for teachers. Um, there's teacher shortages. Um, and what's really suffering is sport and young people playing sport. Um, so we can almost act as a, as mm. a gap filler for that. Um, but we've also seen stuff where, you know, teachers and, and, and our principals are saying, you know, we know your program's on on a Friday afternoon. Our attendance Monday to Thursday is pretty low or patchy. Friday, it shoots right up because I know they're going to get football after school. And we're not coming with a player. We're not coming mm. with anything major. We're just there to deliver a football program. For, for an hour or two and, and that's enough to keep people engaged so yeah. that is 
that is quite rewarding to know that you know just by being there and building those relationships, we're we're, we're making a big impact, which is great. Nice. Um, keen to hear what the I guess the series of experiences were that that led to you becoming head of community at Melbourne City. Can you take us through some of your previous roles as well? Sure. So. Um, Start from the start, really? Yeah. yeah. Let's go right back. <laughs> Charlton days. Oh, that, even before that, really. <laughs> um, so, uh, yes, sport and leisure management at Latrobe. Um, from there, uh, did a bit of work as a casual coaching um, with some programs in and around Heidelberg and, and that sort of area, which was close to uni. And it's just like pure laziness where I'll just apply for the job because I'm like, oh, that's next to uni. That'll do. So let's, <laughs> let's go. This is, this is like the 101 of not how to do, do a sports craft. <laughs> As you do back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, yeah, so I took that opportunity and um, from there met some people uh, who worked in this sort of larger area around multicultural sport and recreation and engaging communities in sport um, and met one person called, uh, his name is Nick McHale, um, legend of a guy, and he worked at a place called Centre for Multicultural Youth. Um, and he sort of said to me, uh, literally four days after I finished my last exam, hey, I'm leaving, and um, I reckon you'd be great to do this job. And I was like, I don't think this is how it's meant to work, <laughs> but um, okay, sounds great. So took that role. So it was a joint role with um, Centre for Multicultural Youth and Vic Health, where you sort of were on the ground in the southeast of Melbourne, and it's kind of funny how it's come sort of full circle now, and I'm back in the southeast. Um, essentially running sports programs for young people in those areas, so across a whole different range of sports as well. Mm. Um, so that was sort of two years of that. Um, that morphed into a more policy role with VicHealth, um, where you work with sport around um, systemic change, around how to engage different communities in sport and, and what policies and procedures could, could happen uh, to make that change. Um, and did that, and it was, it was fantastic. So that was about four years in total in that role. And um, an opportunity came up as a community engagement and comms coordinator at Cricket World Cup 2015. And I uh, thought, oh, I know that trophy. It's yeah. really cool. Um, I've seen to, that once or twice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I'd love to be involved with that. Shot an application in. Um, around that time, I actually got married, went on a honeymoon, came back, never heard anything from it. It's like, well, that was a, that dream's just died and we'll just keep cracking on, so that's fine. Got the phone call. Um, uh, yeah, we'd love to have you in for an interview. I was like, oh, my God, an interview? Like, that's amazing. So, great. Um, this is actually quite a funny one. So... Got the interview, did the interview, it went okay. I thought it went okay. Got a call back a week later, come around for a second round. I was like, oh my God. Okay. It's getting real. <laughs> I could be in the door here. Like, <laughs> let's be, let's like, let's take this seriously now. So um, I thought, right, so I, I actually had to go to Ballarat that day for, uh, for work. So I thought, all right, I'll go to Ballarat, I can get the train back by three, and I'll be enough time to get this interview by five. It's in South Melbourne, right? So Southern Cross, Create in South Melbourne, bang. Go to Ballarat, do the work, not thinking about anything to do in Ballarat that day. Sorry, Ballarat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, got to get there, got to get there, got to get there. Train at two, great. Train is cancelled. Oh, no. <laughs> right, okay. Next train's at three. All right, so it gets me back around 4.30. Okay, it's not ideal, but I'll make it work. That train is now delayed. Right, okay. <laughs> oh. So we're, we're getting there, we're creeping into Southern Cross, phone dies. Right, and I've left messages for the HR manager um, and it hasn't, it just, they haven't gone through, I don't know, and then somehow I've scrambled down from Southern Cross, I'm changing on the escalator, like, it's just a mess. It's oh. just, I'm like, this dream is about to die. Like, I can't believe this is going to happen. Um, Get to the interview, I'm a hot mess. Like, I'm just sweating. I'm just every, like, it was just horrendous. And they said, oh, where were you? I was about 25 minutes late. 
And I said, where were you? I was, like, oh, I was on the train. They're like, look, it happens. It's okay. And um, yeah, just take a breath. Um, so I said, I've got my clothes. I can change. And they're like, no, no, just, just wear what you're wearing. Just it's okay. <laughs> it's all good. I was like, okay. Well, this first sign of a good workplace, right? They're like, well, they're not, gonna, yeah. they're not screaming at me, even though I've completely stuffed this up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, eventually the GM comes in, John Kent, and um, we sort of had a quick chat about it all. And I left and I thought, ah, you can't take someone seriously. He's just blown in that late and yeah, whatever. Anyway, it is what it is. Driving home, get a phone call. Hey, Sunil, you're great. We want to have you on board. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, this is unbelievable. On so, the same day? The same day. Wow. Literally, yeah. Yeah, the same day. On the way home. So it was like half an hour wow. later. Um, and that's a, that's a massive, um, massive life changer because getting in that building, you know, you've got people. Um, so John Harnan's the CEO, right? The the grandfather of sport in Australia. Um, you know, he's just a legend. Brought the Australian Grand Prix to Melbourne, Com Games, all that sort of stuff. I'm sitting in this desk. On this side of me to the left is Nick Hockley, the now CEO of Cricket Australia, just come off London 2015, uh, 2012. Sorry. Um, in front of me is John Kent. He used to run the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Um, I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> um, and I was just on my first day, I went back and told my wife, I was like, I don't really think I should be here. Like, it's a bit awkward. Like, they're all, they're all so, like, so senior and so experienced. What do I bring to this table? And um, quickly figured out, you know, that, uh, you know, I had my own skill set and I think I had my own, my own experiences, both lived and um, professional, that I could bring to the table that were really important. And um, another big part of it was just looking around being like, right, well, I know I've got a year and a bit a year and a half here, I'm just going to be a sponge. I'm going to learn off all these guys mm. and girls who are so experienced with major event experience around the world, uh, cricket experience at CA and all that sort of stuff. Um, what can I sort of take from this to um, to, to make myself better? So um, that's a long time on one on one job, so <laughs> one job interview. So, um, yeah, it's um, from there, that was a great experience. Um, you know, literally got to take the 2015 World Cup around um, Australia, um, and, you know, there are times where you just, like, you park into your hotel room and you've just got a case sitting there, which is the 2015 Cree World Cup. <laughs> and it's like, oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. It's like it, it, a lot of those pinch me moments. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, amazing experience and amazing people. And then from there, I quickly figured out probably the, one of the things I didn't have in my um, locker at that point was overseas experience. Um, so made the deci- decision um, with my wife to head over to London for a couple of years. I was fortunate enough to land a gig at Charlton Athletic Community Trust and Football Club. Um, does a great role, great opportunity. Um, Charlton were in the championship then, uh, had a history of being in the Premier League sort of in the mid-2000s. Fantastic club based in South East London, do amazing community work. And um, it was an interesting experience. It was cold. It was wet. <laughs> um, the championship is tough because you've got 46 games as opposed yeah. to the Prem's got 38. You had cups in there, um, women's games, under 23s. Like, you're just doing match day after match day after match day. So it's pretty tough. Um, but um, a great experience and great learning to understand how that community trust system works in the UK. Um, and uh, back to Oz um, at the AFL for a little while. Um, that was terrific as well. Um, in a game, game dev role, really focusing on multicultural communities. Um, worked on the first sort of India-China strategies for the AFL um, at that time. And... Um, uh, eventually got the call from from Nick Hockley, CEO, then the T20 World Cup, to say, look, we're putting putting the band back together, sort of thing from 2015. Would you would you be keen? And said, absolutely. Um, so back there as community engagement manager for the women's T20 World Cup. Um, so incredible experience. Um, and you boys were around then. You know, you sort of know that the energy and the vibe that was around the, the place at that time was was terrific. And I think you know, 
I, I can I can genuinely say there was blood, sweat, and tears that went into that <laughs> year and a yeah. half of my life. Like it was it was tough, um, but it was so rewarding to be at that final and to have you know your family there and. Um, to be on field with Katy Perry. I think I was with you guys with Katy Perry, weren't we? When we yeah, I was, up yeah. I was yeah. on the field for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so that was, um, that was an amazing experience. And um, you know, I learned a lot, a lot in that year and a half. Um, I probably neglected the home life a little bit, and that was probably a big learning from, from that, um, especially with a young family. Um, but professionally, I think I, I grew a lot in the, from those experiences. So, um, yeah, and then... Um, a little bit of work in the in the COVID period, that COVID years, um, did some work with an NGO, um, and then um, fortunate to land at uh, at City um, in August twenty one, and here I am. That no. was that was a very long one. Apologies. No, 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 that was terrific. Love I that. love how it like kind of uh, you know started steady, coming out of uni, not really sure what to do, and then all of a sudden you're like going through all these major tournaments. Like career is just like taking off in a heartbeat, and it's mm. kind of I don't know if like if I was sitting at home listening to this not knowing where my career is going to go, to see how quickly yours has turned upward is, you know, incredibly motivating and inspiring for someone mm. who is not sure where a career in sport could lead. Yeah, yeah, mm. no, no, um, I appreciate that. Um, look, it's, um, I think a big part of it is just saying yes and just figuring it out later um, because, you know, I don't think I've ever been as nervous as I was the day I walked in the 2015 World Cup. Um, I was literally, I was just, what the hell am I doing here? Like, <laughs> yeah. I was probably the third or fourth youngest person. Um, but the opportunity to learn from some amazing people um, and, and, and broaden your skill set is, um, is something, you know, you, you, you can always do. Um, but when you're given opportunities like that, then, um, yeah, you do got to grab them with both hands, hey? I reckon the, uh, the, the train incident almost was a blessing. Because often, you know, when people are interviewing you, they want to see you when you're, you know, you're being you, yeah. like you're in a pretty, pretty tough spot there, and obviously you're able to sort of turn that into a positive, and that at the end of the day might have helped you. you yeah. Know, if it was just a standard interview, you're just another candidate, but like, nah, this guy's rushed back from Ballarat. He's battled a cancelled train, a delayed train. He's got dressed on the elevator, and he's running here, and he's somehow got here just 20 minutes after. Like, I think he probably played in your hand. So it's yeah. a good story. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's um. I think so, and look, I think it says a lot about the culture, right? Around, yeah. around you know, people. They they obviously felt I was a, a good candidate, and the situation was beyond my control. Mm. I, you know, who's going to pass an opportunity to work on a yeah. World Cup, right? Mm. I'm not. I'm not deliberately trying to be late. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I think yeah, it, maybe it did. Um, but um, yeah, it's a great crew, great crew of people who um, yeah. still keep in touch with a few as well. But I think that's exactly the attitude that they would probably want to hire someone with because you could have easily said no nah, this is too hard i've stuffed up too much i'm i'm just going to go home but you know if someone's thinking i'm never going to get this opportunity to work in the 2015 world cup again you know that's probably the the ideal candidate yeah um and you know that's the thing i guess um those major events um you know they don't roll around often and roles are hard to come by um but um you know, when the, when they when they do come around, the, the opportunities they, they bring, like, you know, I think people, I'm sure people have said this before on here, like, you know, my role was sort of community and comms, but you know, I was doing stuff, <laughs> events, I was doing. Um, I ended up going to a lunch with a Bollywood superstar because um, I was the only person who wore a suit to work that day. <laughs> like, just uh, it's just crazy, like what happens in major events and the amount of people that are around it from a government perspective, commercially. Uh, both in the lead up to the tournament and in the tournament, um, 
they're just beasts and 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 you know there's so many things that come from it that are that are so interesting and rewarding and um and give you such personal and professional satisfaction the other one actually i'll i'll, I'll say is um so i got to take the trophy like i said around australia for, for part of the trophy tour and um they always used to want to ship me off to brisbane because i my family's in brisbane my extended family and um my grandparents houses has photos of like all the you know when they first came to australia and all this stuff all the grandkids but like front and center is me and my granddad and my cousin hold, holding the world cup trophy oh my <laughs> in, God, his, in his house um <laughs> it's it's quite funny my, my, yeah it's uh it's quite a cool um cool one that i keep reminding my sisters <laughs> about and go, look that's me in the middle of all the photos of yeah <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing no um let, let's uh dive into some of your community work again um, can you take us through uh, like a, a standard week or a standard day in, in your world and um, share with us what are some of the key programs that you're running at City at the moment? Yeah, so I think the, the best part about it is um, that no, no days are the same. So it's, um, it is very varied in, in what we do. So we have sort of a standard um, uh, Monday meeting um, with, with the team just to run through programs for the week, where, what schools we're at, what we're doing. Um, and then we try to sort of um, drop in every couple of months a big thing, a big tournament, a, a big community tournament or a big event or something like that. So we're always sort of planning towards that. Um, and then in terms of, um, I guess, what that, so those programs sort of just tick along as they do and, and we're constantly evaluating and making sure, you know, that participants are getting the most out of it, that teachers and students are getting the most out of it. Um, and we're, we're meeting those marks around the impact we need to have from a social perspective um, as well as a physical perspective. Um, and then in terms of the programs we're running, um, like I said, we, we really use football as that vehicle for connection. So uh, we've got a program, program at the moment around respectful relationships. So we're starting to roll that out. Um, and it's more around um, how we use play-based learning. So you do the football drills and skills, but you're constantly debriefing them and you're linking them back to themes around respect, resilience, rights. We overlay that with some stuff from our women's team, um, some, some footage of them uh, answering questions around, you know, um, relationships within a team, uh, respect within a team and, and how they operate and, and individually the values that they have. And uh, what that hopefully does is show a lot of young boys and girls that, you know, um, in an elite environment, um, these athletes are thinking about this all the time. They're thinking about the relationship they have with their coach, relationship they have with their teammates, um, the relationship they have with the sports science and the physios and, and, and each other. Mm. And um, that's really important, I think, because you know, football is so powerful. Football's got such a, a role to play in, in society, given it's such a uh, popular sport and such a well-participated sport. Um, we need to be able to use it for good as well and, and go beyond the field around to have those conversations. So, so that's one of them. Um, we're also doing some programs around... Um, uh, education uh, and employment. So we've got a program um, which actually some some of your sports guys are in now called Young Leaders, yeah. uh, where we take young people, so sort of sixteen to twenty four. Um, we put them through a couple of days of training around what we do at City, and um, and then they come essentially become our workforce in the community. So they come help run our community programs, um, and they also come and help run our match days as well. Um, and um, what we've seen from that is essentially people just just grow um so in our team in my team i've got two that have come from that program and now full-time in, in city in the community yeah. um we've got others working in the academy we've got others working in football ops um in in roles where you know they're they're sort of day-to-day -day player liaison almost on, on the ground with, with um with the players both males and males and females um and um yeah that's just an awesome story that i think we probably don't tell enough to be honest because we're, we're essentially helping young people get jobs in sport um, but it's just a, it's a really good thing and um, it, it helps us and it helps them. And, um, it, it hopefully 
um, builds um, builds builds characters um, and strengths for the future for, for a lot of young people mm. wanting to work in sport. Is it Billy Bolch is a part of that? He is the great man. Yeah, yeah, yeah one yeah. of our great sports crowd members. One of the greats. <laughs> he uh, he's doing a bit of time in Western United, which I let him know about. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and he said no. Doing both. Well, his heart it's to be. You can only win plates every year at one club. <laughs> <laughs> mm. There was another couple that I've it's I've lost memory, but mm. um, the, I did speak to Billy, and he mentioned it's great, great program. So it's it's awesome, and what an opportunity! Like they're the kind mm. of things you you need to be doing to get out there. And as you said, you've had two people come through that and be full time like that. That's just a great story. So incredible. Um, being a head of community, are you are you out there as well, or are you more so in the office? How does that look? I'd like to think I'm out there. The team, <laughs> the team will say otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> now, look, I think it's really important to to be out there because you know when you a big part of the role is um, you know, looking at funding and looking to work with government around certain projects and um, trying to solve problems for government as well, right? Mm. Um, particularly in how we can use football to do that. And um, I think if you're not out there at programs, understanding what on the ground and what the issues are, then you're kind of missing that. So mm. um, you can talk to teachers as much as you want or principals or clubs or whatever, um, but if you're not sort of talking to participants um, you, yeah. you know, on a regular, you've got to be doing that as well. So um, should be doing it more. I'm going to do it today, actually, now that you've <laughs> said it. I'm going to go out today and head out to a program. Nice. Where's the program today? Uh, what have we got today? We've got Casey Fields Primary and we've got uh, Cranman East Secondary. So I might try it out to one of those schools today. Nice. It's yeah. pretty play, cool. You players come with you? Uh, not this week, but um, when's this episode going out? I'm trying. I'm trying to surprise. <laughs> Probably a couple of weeks. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, we're gonna I'm hopefully taking um, uh, Tilio and Callum Talbot out to school next week, and um, and Lecky and uh, uh, Tommy Glover maybe as well. Awesome. So that'd be fun. Nice. We'll try and keep this away from the school principals. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> Knocking on the door, waiting to hear. So we'll, we'll hide it from them. Um, in terms of working in community and sport, what do you need to do really well to, to get one of these roles? Can anybody just jump in or is there a certain set of skills that someone needs to really have to, to be able to jump in? Yeah, look, I think it's about people, right? So communities, people. I think this is, you know, sport is so um, commercial this day, these days and it has to be for, for so many reasons and there's no issue with that. I think you know the essence of sport is community, right, and people and connection and mm. and the impact that that can have on on individual lives and and, and collectively. Um, so I think the skill set you need is is just sort of being able to uh, be able to relate to people, um, be able to to connect with people, um, and um, you know th there's space for you know academy coaching and um, you know, all those sort of things. But you know if you can if you can run a session with you know a whole bunch of kids and make it fun. And a primary school session, um, that's a skill set. Like that's not yeah. easy. That's that's not for everyone. Um, and there, there's a skill in that. And um, you know, when you can translate that, then further into you know how you can make impact around that and the long term uh, effects that has um, and impact that can have. That's a terrific skill set to have. And um, yeah, that that's definitely one part of it. I think the other part part of it as well is um, is that uh, being able to storytell is so important as well. So. Both, again, um, for City in the community, for us, a big part of what I've tried to do since I've come into the role is we've got amazing stories. We've got amazing young leaders who do great work in the community. We've got amazing schools and, and students that we work with um, in, in the area that we're in, in, in the southeast. Um, let's continue to tell those stories on socials and, and really ramp them up because 
that that's a huge part of what um, clubs want to be about and, and relate to people. That's how, what fans want to see. They want to see their club doing great work in the community. Um, so it, it's it's a big part of it as well. And I think, um, and you guys know, again, from being in sport, we, we're such good doers, but we don't really stop and think, okay, how do we tell this story? How do we amplify mm. this? How do we you know scale this up a little bit? So that's a big part of it for me. So it kind of sounds like if you can understand what goes on in the world of a participant and make it fun for them so it almost looks like it's like a bit of a coaching element to it yep and then communicate it really well then that makes a really good community person yeah right? absolutely and i think look like i said before you know um let's let's like look at the sort of broader socioeconomic factors at the moment you know cost of living through the roof sport a little bit in decline from a participation perspective um you know our game football is so expensive to play right at a club level that um you know, where's the outlet for a young kid who wants to play? And there's, let's say there's four kids or three kids in a family, that's potentially 500 bucks a kid. You know, that's that's a lot of money, right? So um, people are missing out on, on those opportunities. And, you know, I'm sure for you and me, like, you know, when we, when we were at school, like lunchtime and after school, like, they were great times to just connect with your mates and have a kick, right? Yeah. Whatever sport you're playing, doesn't really matter. Um, so people are missing out on those structured sporting environments and, and opportunities. So if we can help provide that, um, and coaches can run a session that allows young people to feel like, oh, I'm part of something bigger, I'm connected to Melbourne City, um, that coach knows my name. It's a huge, huge deal for, for a lot of young kids, um, and um, I think that's, that's really powerful and really important. Mm. And for, for people who want to um, get started in that space, what would you recommend um, people at graduate level or people looking to make a change from another career, where, do you rec- where would you recommend they start? Yeah, well, look, I think you guys bang on about grassroots and I'm not going to argue with you. Absolutely. <laughs> like grassroots is really important for that. But um, I think also like, uh, you know, if you can if you can find ways of doing different types of coaching, um, you know, everyone can roll out, you know, the grassroots stuff. But um, one thing I look for, you know, in, in, in grads and, and, and different things is, is um, have you done time sort of in a remote community or have you done time overseas or have you challenged yourself in that way where you really put yourself out of your comfort zone? I did. I'm just making it up. I did six months in Tanzania coaching football. Like, whoa, mm. geez, tell me about that. Like, what's that about? <laughs> yeah. um, that And that's not for everyone, right? There's, there's different factors that can allow you to do that or maybe not. But um, those things really stand out, I think, because they're, they're such good talking points. They're such good um, uh, opportunities to be able to tell a great story about what you did um, because any, everyone's doing it, but are you telling that story in the right way and are you pulling out really good um, moments from that to share with with your recruiters and with your with your um, interviewers. Mm. I remember talking to um, a a sport journalist years and years ago. His name's Ben Waterworth, and uh, he said that to start getting a job in journalism within sport, you know, you've got to be prepared to sacrifice that time to go out to the you know the outer suburbs of your city to write match reports on mm. you know Division Four games of footy, and it sounds like you know those are the things that managers and recruiters really want to hear about tell me about that sacrifice and what you learned in those regional parts and these um community sports sounds like that's the same across a number of different functions yeah definitely i think you know varied experience um is is always well you know received right so um if you can say you know i've i've done this at grassroots i've done this with you know melbourne city maybe did some community coaching with us or something um and i've done this um uh, in, a, in a remote community as well, uh, or maybe you've worked in an indigenous community, which is another, you know, another string to your bow. Like you're starting to, you know, all those 
really influential community segments um, that we look for, you know, around uh, women and girls and Indigenous and multicultural communities. Like, you're, start, you're starting to tick off a few of them. And um, that makes you such a great coach overall um, and a better a better person in some ways as well because you know so much mm. about, you know, different people um, and you can relate to different people, which is the most important part of it. So that's definitely one part of it. And then obviously the, um, the match day events from that perspective as well, you know, our, our team does a lot of work around um, getting the halftime um, kids out for a kick and uh, mascots who work, walk out with players. And, you know, that's that's chaos sometimes, you know, getting all those them changed, ready, getting them in back in their seats. Um, that's a great experience too because, um, you know, you're working with kids, you're working in a fast-paced environment, um, you're on broadcast, um, right, you got to go, right, get them off. Kids are running everywhere. Like it's, <laughs> it's you know, if you, they're skill sets. They're skill sets, man. They're, they're, they're big time and, and if you can do that well and actually Josie and my team who, who runs that, a shout out to Josie, she's an absolute superstar. Um, she actually came through Young Leaders. She, she did that, um, that role on a match day. And um, we had a role coming up, and I remember it was my first three or four days, three or four matches at City, and I was like, "Who am I going to fill this role with?" Like, uh, I don't, I don't really know where to start. I got down there, I saw her, the way she handled it, um, you know, it was chaos. She still had time to say hello to me <laughs> and say, you know, "How you going?" And then, and she's got him out there. I'm like, "That's my girl. Like, I'm, I'm going after her. She, she wants this job. It's hers, pretty much." So, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Nice. Um, in, in the community space, so much of your work is reliant on you know, funding and grants and donations and whatnot. And I guess you're kind of constantly required to justify your work. Mm. Um, could you, like, how do you do that? And how, how do you work through that process? Because it's, it's pretty, it, it can be quite frustrating at times, I can imagine. It's a great point, mate. Um, look, it, it is tough. Um, I think there's a few things so uh you've got to keep that data around you know how you're doing and and the, and the evaluations and mm. keep going back to that um as an example you know we, we started a program recently at a school where um the school came to us and said girls just do not do physical activity at this school um that just flat out do not do anything so we did a two-day sort of program around you know uh, leadership football community all those sort of things run by um peer-to-peer so like young female coaches um we then started a friday afternoon football club at the school um we get 20 girls a week girls went out and bought boots um they played in tournament that we ran a little while ago and the teachers are like they've done more physical activity in 10 days than they have in two years basically um so i think those sort of anecdotes and stories are really important to tell uh, and continue to share um storytelling again i'll come back to that you know on our socials is, is really powerful to be able to tell our story to be able to show what we're doing to advocate to government um, around the issues in the community um, i think particularly from a state government and local government perspective they're aware of the work that we do in the southeast they know how great a connection football can can be to a community so um continuing to advocate is, is really really important um, and then I think finding really good partners as well. So in terms of, um, we, we know for us, we're a football charity. That's what we do. We do it really well. Um, we provide great community programs. Um, we have great um, match day opportunities and tickets and we can bring players and we can do all that stuff well. But if we were to talk about um, uh, employment opportunities for young people more broadly, not just in sport, but you know how to get qualifications or something like that, that's not us. We need someone else to help with that. So we can then join forces with them on a program that yeah. helps meet that need. Um, and those kind of agencies and community agencies really like um, what we do because if they're to try, try to go out and run a session around that for young people, probably no one's going to turn up. City in the community going to turn up, run a football session, give out giveaways, 
we're probably going to get a few more people there. So, yeah. so we we can hopefully be that um, uh, that really helpful partner to, to different community groups and agencies around um, around Melbourne as well. Mm. Amazing, and it sounds like if you've got the numbers to back it up and the stories to get in front of the you know the people in the suit and tie with the money, then that always helps keep it going. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Um, tell us about what it's like being part of City Football Group because you guys are quite unique compared to other A League clubs, which might be, just be one off in you know, a random part of Australia. You guys are part of this international network, including the likes of Manchester City, New York City, um, Mumbai's got a team. There's this massive global network. There's a lot of money being thrown around in this space as well. W- what is it like being part of that city football group? Yeah, look, it's, it's incredible to have that connection. I think there's that, you know, that stat around 25 professional sporting teams in Melbourne or wherever it is now. Mm. Like, I mean, it grows every day, mm. right? Like, it's, it's yeah. crazy. Um, but no one has a genuine connection overseas in the, in the way that we do at City, which is um, really unique and, and um, really, really special, I guess, in some ways. Um, for me, what that means on a day-to-day is um, I have a, a head of community in Manchester and New York as well. Uh, as well as a director of City Football Foundation uh, who I'd sort of check in with every couple of weeks. Uh, so to be able to sort of have a touch point in those two cities to find out, you know, how your community program's going, what are you guys facing on the ground, uh, what are you doing uh, from a fundraising perspective, uh, is really, I mean, it's incredible to have that dial in and just, you know, literally you, you flick a team's note at 6pm and you wake up the next morning, they're like, yeah, here's all this stuff that we're doing. I'm like, wow, like that's, <laughs> that's an incredible thing to have um, a resource to. So that's on that level. From a um, glo- another global perspective is um, through our Young Leaders program, you know, we've, um, we've done things where we've done a global Young Leaders um, and that's usually coordinated by Manchester and um, that runs once a year usually. And um, that's 40 young people from around the world who are involved in sitting in the community programs coming together for a week of learning um, you've got translators because people don't speak English. Like it's an incredible experience. So we had five of our guys over there last year, um, and um, yeah, the, 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 what they've learned from that and the energy they brought back from that, from being based at Manchester City, um, literally sleeping in the first team rooms, right? So like um, one of the guys, um, he he's like, "You're room 20," which meant he was um, or 21, which meant he was um, David Silver's in David Silver's room. <laughs> oh, what? Wow. He's an he's an elite athlete, oh. <laughs> and um, they said to, they said oh, so to, just on the WhatsApp with the guys while while they were over, they said, "Oh, how how'd you guys sleep? Are you all right?" They're like, "Yeah, the bed was really comfortable." Yeah, I bet it was. Yeah. Text. They come back the next night and they go, "We found out the beds cost like ten thousand dollars Aussie, or like the mattress <laughs> cost them like jeez, great to be in a great to be an elite uh, elite footballer." Um, so those opportunities exist, um, I think, uh, f- through that Young Leaders Program. And we had a, a one in, uh, in March where we had had a few over to Abu Dhabi as well where they were part of the, um, some of the city football schools over there. And, um, yeah, again, incre- incredible to meet people from, you know, Manchester, Mumbai, um, Indonesia and New York as well. And um, how close – I was fortunate to be on that trip. And how close that group got, you know, 15 people in five days um, is, is awesome. And, you know, everyone's – you know, almost crying at the end of it. And we've literally met, met each other five days ago just because <laughs> you've had those experiences and, and now you've got friends around the world and you're connected on socials and um, really cool things to be able to do um, and, and, and opportunities to give young people, which is cool. That's amazing. I feel like a lot of clubs would be very jealous to have that sort of support network because mm-hmm. like, I'd imagine like a lot of people who work in sport would go to a conference to find out new information, but you guys can just literally pick up the phone and call Manchester or New York and you've got all that. Yeah, look, look, it is very unique um, and we're very fortunate to, to be in that position. Um, and, 
yeah, I think um, it, it's it's great to be able to, to lean on that uh, when you need it, and and when and even when you don't, you know, just to just to check in with those guys and keep mm. that network going. Um, yeah, it's um, it is really fortunate. And I think just you know, like I said, for for young leaders and for young people, the the friendships they can build from that, um, you know, and hopefully that that lasts over time mm. as well, which is really cool. The other thing that like I, I look at and find quite remarkable is the way that City Football Group have been able to implement systems right around the world like they've taken their successful system from manchester and spread it right around the world and now that's resulted in three consecutive premiers plates in in melbourne the academy is producing like half the socceroos team um how have you seen the the rollout of systems from from city football group yeah i think um yeah, from a football side, yeah, probably, yeah, I think that it just speaks for itself, really, with the, the, on, the on-field success and, like you said, the academy, um, uh, graduates, Jordan Boss and, you know, um, and, and those sort of guys coming through, which is which is awesome. Um, and then, uh, you know, commercially, it's probably not for me to comment on so much, but, you know, from a perspective of, you know, having those those partners that are global as well. And then from a community perspective as well, which is um, which is awesome to have that network overseas and, and to be able to to connect with them on a, on a regular. So, um, yeah, it's it's uh, definitely a, a beast um, of an operation, and um, it's uh, it, it's it, we're really fortunate, I guess, to be a part of it. And I think that the next extension of that is um, our new facility, which is being built at Casey Fields, which will hopefully be complete by September. And um, that's um, I've had a, fortunate enough to have a walkthrough of that um, a, a couple of weeks ago, and. I think it's going to it's going to sort of shock a few people. Just the, the size and scale and the sophistication around it all is um, is incredible. And again, learnings from from Manchester and New York around how they've done things over there and, and how we can um, have best practice for our athletes, but also for our admin um, and and recovery and our community as well in terms of community usage. So it's um it's 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 a terrific thing to be a part of. Mm. But does like every department get like a playbook from? you know, head office or something and said, hey, this is how we do it? Or do you guys get to create your own strategy and systems? What, yeah, how does, how does I, it work? Yeah, actually, that's a good point. I think, um, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things where, you know, Manchester, from my perspective anyway, from a community one, they know what they do in Manchester. It's not going to work in Melbourne, right? They're a two-team city. You're red or you're blue, and that's it. Whereas here, we're competing against so many different sports, um, you know, so many different um, other factors. They know things are going to be slightly different, but um, I don't think that that plays out in, in football and in commercial and in marketing and other and other spaces as well. So, you know, you do what's best for Melbourne, but here's um here's a support network around you to to, to lean on to give a few ideas or a few um, resources where you need. Yeah, nice. Um, let's talk work habits. Now we know you worked with uh, with Max Abbott at oh, the T Twenty World Cup and. <laughs> When we had him on episode 132, he, min- he mentioned how Nick Hockley, the, the CEO at the time, would would pick up the phone and call whenever he needed an answer. And <laughs> we believe you carry a similar approach in order to obviously avoid death by email. Can, yeah. you, can you chat through that? Yeah, well, yeah, Nick, Nick has an incredible work ethic. Um, you know, I get an email sometimes at 11 o'clock at night and I'm like, oof. I don't think that's. I don't think I'm going to reply to that now. <laughs> and then I'd wake up at six, and he'd reply to his own email. <laughs> like, oh. like this, this guy doesn't sleep. Like, <laughs> he incredible work ethic, incredible guy. Um, yeah, look, I'm I'm a big phone call guy. Um, I just, for me, like I think sometimes in sport we take ourselves pretty seriously, and I think sometimes like you know you got pages and pages of an email that you get through, and you think, oh man, I can just call you. Like, yeah. let's just have a chat, man. Like, let's <laughs> let's chat let's chat about this. 
So, yeah, I, I do like the phone call. Um, my team will probably tell you, stop calling me. <laughs> but I'm, I'm within work hours. Like, I'm not calling them at unreasonable times. Yeah. But um, I, I do like that um, because I just, I think the death by email just gets me. I think that COVID sort of helps exacerbate some of that death by email mm. as well. I think people just got real email happy and teams happy. Um, so we're lo- losing the art of the phone call. Mm. Mm. So I'm just trying to help. Yeah, nice. Yeah. I, th- I think when you can explain something and people can hear your voice explain it too, it actually adds context to what you're talking about as well. Yeah. Whereas if someone receives an email and just sits there, sometimes can be taken out of context, whereas a phone call, you've you got the chance to discuss everything on the spot. Yeah, mm. yeah. Look, and I, I just I just like making those connections with people. I think just it's just good to just have a chat mm. and you kind of diffuse things if it's a bit tense, mm. um, which it can be, and, and that that's fine. That's going to happen in, in those environments. Um but I think sometimes, yeah, um, those, those I just I'm one of those people that I'm very um, what's the word like? My wife thinks I have a little bit of ADD, but uh, <laughs> I'm so I see the long email. I go, oh, yeah. am I going to read that whole thing right now? Probably not. Mm. So I think just if I can have a conversation, make the connection with you, um, and just go from there. I think that's a lot a lot easier. So yeah. if, even for people working with you, if they want to get whatever they want across to you, the best way is call Sunil don't send him paragraphs yeah 100% yeah and, and my team are really good at that now like they we're always on the phone yeah because again your office hours again you're in your community right like if you're in a community team and you're sitting at your desk all day like I don't really think you're doing the right thing so you know you, you got to be out there so we're all sort of out there all the time so it's important to have those check-ins um, both as a team meeting but then on the regular a, a bit of a phone call is always really helpful as well mm. When I was a student, I used to hate the phone call. Mm. So, like, the first time that I ever reached out to a professional in sport was, uh, would have been 2016. I think it was, like, second year uni of my second degree because I dropped out the first one. And um, and I uh, had this bloke's number. His name's Wayne. And I uh, was getting ready to call him, punch in the phone number, and then paced around my backyard for the next 25 minutes trying to bring myself to, to press call because I was terrified to talk to this guy. Yep. Um, and it took a few years to, to get over that, and now it comes quite naturally but um um for people starting out it can be quite daunting in the, in the beginning for sure look I, this is a what what gen are we up to z x yeah one lost one track one, yeah <laughs> lost track yeah but you know texting everything's texting right and like if you call sometimes i have to call some of the casuals or whatever right they pick up straight away and i'm like wow how did you, like it didn't ring and they're like yeah i'm just on tiktok oh <laughs> like, yeah like there's not like they're always on one ring yeah oh not even like just <laughs> deathly silence and then hello I'm like, yeah. oh, um but yeah this generation seems to be always on their phone but never making phone calls so if you can get that confidence and uh make that call um you know it makes it it makes a huge difference and look I'm, you'll get better like mm. it is nerve-wracking and um and people particularly when they're you're asking for something. Um, yeah, it's never easy, but you know when you can build up the confidence over time, it's a huge thing to be able to be able to pick up the phone and just hold a conversation and, and um, not be super awkward, which mm. you will be the first few times, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, and then eventually you get to Nick Hockley's status where you end up calling. I think I think uh, Max's story was that uh, Nick had a they were solving a problem around ticketing during the T20 World Cup, and so Nick thought. We'll call the person who knows the most about yeah. ticketing of any industry. So he calls ahead of British Airways or something yeah, like that, yeah. just in the middle of a meeting. Yeah. Give me one sec. I'll, let me call the guy. Yeah, yeah. Eventually get to that point. Uh, yeah. I'm in so many instances of that with Nick where you're just sitting in his office and it's like, what's going on with this? And I'm like, uh, I'm not sure. He goes, should I just call him? I'm like, <laughs> just call him. Just call him. Like, bang, just call. And yeah. I've actually, to be fair, taken that ethos now. I think, I've, I think to be honest, I've learned more from Nick um, where, yeah, you want it done. 
go do it. Like, just go do it, man. Like, get it, get it done, and get it done well. Mm. Awesome. Um, any final advice for uh, grads coming through, or you know, people wanting to work in in this space? Yeah. Um, look, I, I go back to that um, that testing yourself stuff. So you know where you can um, where you can take time out to go and do something that's a bit different or a bit um, uh, a bit unique that gives you a story that you're able to tell and tell well. Amazing to do because that is such a great talking point. It sets you apart from other people, and that doesn't mean you don't do all the regular stuff you need to do, like volunteer at this event and volunteer at this club, and you do all that stuff. But then, what's that little whiz bang thing you've got there? Go, oh, that's an interesting talking point. What? what, what, what mm. Tell me about that experience where you went overseas or you went to this remote community or you travelled for a little bit and you gave yourself some great experiences. And um, for me, that was the Charlton experience. You know, to be Australian working at a championship club. Um, yeah, I was, again, it was incredible. Like I, um, you know, on the touchline was Harry Redknapp. He was he was director of football at QPR, I think, when we played them. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Like it's just incredible to be able to, to be in that space and then come home and be able to tell people, you know, you, you've done those things. Um, so if you can do that stuff, um, you know, and, and take that risk, um, it will pay off. Like it, I genuinely believe it will pay off. And there were do- there were days where you know, in February, where I'm commuting an hour and a half to get to Charlton, it's raining. The endless winter keeps going, and I'm like, "What am I doing this for?" Like, we could just go home, or we could go. We could hold on for summer. I could do whatever job, get paid better, go do a great summer vacation, and then go home for Australian summer. But I stuck it out for that season, and I'm glad I did because it, um, it it's paid off now for sure. Nice. Before we wrap, any other apps people can listen to similar to Sunil? Well, we had a uh, you meet all of Sunil's former colleagues at T20 World <laughs> yeah. Cup, the T20 World Cup, crew. yeah, the T20 yeah. World Cup crew. There's Ali in episode one, Max in one thirty two, Aaron Wharton in one, and uh, not one. He was a sixty three, I think. Oof. No, that was Aubrey Walton, uh, fifty nine. Um, are they like your kids? Like, do you just know are. every episode? They are. Well, like I, I like associated with a point in time. Ah, yeah. It's yeah. so, like I remember, like you know, fifty seven. We kicked off with the first episodes in twenty twenty one, and it was. We had four people starting with the letter A in a row. It was like Aman Alawali, 57, Aaron Wharton, 59. Um, then there was Abby from Carlton. McNeish? McNe- no. yeah, yeah, Abby McNish, 61. Then like Aubrey Walton, 63. Um, so, yeah, points in time I kind of associate it with. Yeah. He yeah. spends his time on the weekend just going through and yeah. testing himself on the numbers. So. Yeah. <laughs> Enough, man. Pretty pretty cool, uh, pretty cool stuff. <laughs> I actually had sorry, I had one more on the um, on the last one. If that's alright, yeah. Um, one thing I'm really passionate about as well is um, for for grads in, in sport and like you look at elite sport now, right? Like Usman Khawaja, Sam Kerr, Peter Ball. Like sport is starting to reflect um, our community a lot more, but in the admin space, it's not at all. Um, and you know, I found myself being the only sort of person of a diverse background in in most meetings in my whole career, pretty much. Um, and it's something I really want to change. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really sort of passionate about seeing you know, that diverse um, workforce come through. And I think we've done really well in the women and girls space. Obviously, still room to, room to move there around that, that space. But in terms of um, different multicultural communities coming through and, and working in this industry, there's, there's sort of a bit of a um, two, two, two pieces to it. It's more like we've got to encourage that from an educational perspective to find this career and, and find this career in sport and how good it is. 
Um, but then also finding the roles, you know, when they eventually those roles come up, people are getting rewarded and, and taking those those roles as well. So something I'm really passionate about and, and something I want to see sort of change within the industry and hopefully that can that can help. You guys can help with that. Yeah. Well, for those people who are considering about, you know, you know, who do, thinking about who do you hire, from our perspective and what we've seen in, in the community, the, that international cohort who have come from another country are some of the most hardworking mm. grads that we come across because they don't have – their networks set up in in their in the city that they're in. Mm. Um, there's often pressure back home to you know make this jump across the world work in some way, shape, or form. So there's a very real pressure hanging over their head, and it comes out in the form of volunteering at every single event, mm. learning as much as they can, meeting as many people as they can, and they are they're amazing because of it. Mm. So uh, if you are looking at international students <laughs> to bring on a part of your workforce, there's some very good, hardworking people out there. Yeah, absolutely. Mate, thank you so much for coming in. We, we obviously, we've known each other for a few years now. We've been uh, super keen to get you in here and appreciate you, you coming in early in the morning before, before the work day. And it's just been awesome hearing about, obviously, your full career. I, I didn't know some of that early stuff, so it's fantastic to hear about that. And and just this amazing work you're doing at City and just seeing that flourish. And you mentioned that Young Leaders Program. Like we've, we've spoken at, mm-hmm. about that a few times. And they're the kind of programs that are just so good for, for society. So I really appreciate you coming in and, and teaching us all about how, you know, how this work happens. Um, it's really, really awesome. So appreciate your time, mate. Awesome. Thanks, boys. Uh, no, we love the work you guys are doing as well. I think it's, uh, it's great. And, um, yeah, great to be finally connect. And uh, we'll hopefully do it again soon. Absolutely. Thanks, boys. Guys, it's time now for the People's Segment Ask Sports Grade, where every week we answer a question directly from our community. If you would like to ask a question first, become a Sports Grade member at our website at sportsgrade.com.au slash community. Then you can add your question to the Discord channel named Ask Sports Grade. Rubes, you've got this one this week, so what have we got? Yeah, now this this isn't a direct question that's come in from the community, but it's a preemptive question because... Um, um, I want to help a few people who might be feeling the same way as one specific member. Yeah. And uh, this member is Corey. He won't mind me saying this. We've chatted and laughed about it in hindsight. But at the Melbourne meetup last year, November last year, he was in line waiting to come in. And I, I went up and said, hi to Corey. And I said, how are you? And he goes, Ruben, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't shitting myself right now. <laughs> and yep, that is yep, a yep. perfectly normal state to be in when you're going to a networking event for the first time. Yeah. And we've we've just had the Brisbane meetup, which we haven't left yet yep. for, and the Melbourne one's coming up soon. Uh, and so I want to answer the question that is how to not shit yourself before a meetup. Great one. <laughs> Love this. So a couple of things to make sure you don't shit yourself before you get to a Melbourne meetup or any sort of meetup, wherever that is, or any sort of networking situation. Mm. Now, the one thing that will help you feel comfortable and relaxed arriving at a meetup is if you feel prepared to answer any question. Because I think at the core of being anxious about networking is being scared of what other people think. Yeah. And if you go dig even deeper into that, it's like, well, you're scared of what people are going to think of you if you don't know what to say next or if your experience isn't impressive enough. So Mm -hmm. if you can prepare to, you know, cover those situations, what do I say when I don't know what to say next? Or what do I say when I get asked about myself and I want to put my best foot forward? If you can prepare to answer those two things, 
then you'll go in a lot more confidently knowing that, all right, if I run out of things to say, I know I've got a question that I can throw to the other person to learn more about them. And that will just give me a bit of time to take a deep breath and, uh, you know, not be the center of conversation for a second. Yeah. On top of that, if you can prepare to talk about your experience and what you're doing at the moment, where you work, some of the things you're, you know, you're plugging away at or your some of your future ambitions, if you know how to articulate that 10 times in a row almost identically, then when you get thrown into a pressure situation that's a little bit uncomfortable for you the first time, you'll be able to reel that off in a way that you are comfortable answering. Yeah. So do your preparation, have some things to cover yourself with and then know what to say about yourself and you should arrive at a meetup without shitting yourself. Yeah. Maybe just a little bit less. Yeah. You'll still <laughs> probably shit yourself, but yeah. just not as much. And then if you, even further to that, bring a friend. Yeah. Friend always just helps you feel more I comfortable. 100%. Or mm. like, you know, if, if if you're going, yeah, bring someone or, you know, if you're aware, say you're a sports group member and you know someone else you've seen is going, message them beforehand and be like, hey, like looking forward to catch up. Yeah. So you know when you get there, you could look out for them and just go there straight away. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, we know everyone shits themselves. Yeah. There's we actually, um, I put a message out in the Discord channel the other day saying, hey, if anyone doesn't know anyone going to the meetups and wants to find someone beforehand, send me a message, I'll connect you. Yeah. And so there's a couple of people who have done that. So if anyone else who wants to get connected with someone before the meetup, just ping Ryan or yep. I and we can connect you with someone else going so you have at least know one person before you get there. Yeah. No, love that. I've got another one for you mm-hmm. and this is something that is relatively new. Um, but play like play a, play a game with yourself. So when you arrive, play a little game in your mind and be like, what's the quickest I can take to go and talk to somebody? Because the shorter that time is, the less time you're going to shit yourself because mm. I guarantee you when, <laughs> once you meet one person, your whole world will change. Mm. You, you'll get a bit of confidence. So like play that little game. When you get to the Melbourne meetup, when, you, mm. when we're all done, when we're in there, just go and introduce yourself to somebody straight away and I bet you anything you'll feel better. I've got another game for you. Here we go. We're playing, you, we're playing networking <laughs> games. <laughs> if you want to get even more comfortable before you arrive, say you're going into the MCG to watch Melbourne versus Blues and you're catching the train into Richmond Station, say hi to someone on the train. Then your yeah. first interaction is out of the way. Yeah. Or even just go up to the the metro attendant at Richmond Station and ask them a dumb question that you already know the answer to. Yeah. But at least you've spoken to a stranger. That yeah. might just help break the ice and give you a bit of confidence. Yeah, 100%. But at the end of the day, you'll be fine. You will be fine. It'll all work out. People are friendly. They are. Alrighty, awesome. Well, if you'd like to ask us a question or ask our friends in sport a question, sign up and become a SportsGrab member. Each week, as Rube said, we've got plenty of discussions in our Discord. We've got plenty of help there for you to ask any questions. And you can also get involved in our our podcast questions as well. So get involved. We've also got speed networking. We've got job fairs. There's always something happening inside our community. They're all recorded as well. So you can go back and have a look at them if you can't make them on any particular time. So there's lots of content there ready to go for you. Find us on LinkedIn, plus give us some love with a rating if you enjoy the show. Subscribe on Apple or follow on Spotify. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.